welcome. This episode of the Marketing Ops Now podcast series is about agile marketing. 93% of marketers say that adopting agile improved speed to market and 80% delivered better, more relevant and products. But still today, only 51% of marketers use agile. The rest works in a traditional or ad hoc fashion. So why aren't we all using Agile? An often heard concern in the market is, when am I doing Agile the right way? That takes us back to the Agile marketing manifesto principles. Things like cross-functional teams, stand-ups, definition of done and definition of success. We'll talk about all that and three successful models to adopt Agile marketing in your team and how you as a marketing ops person can be the driving force behind that. Scott, welcome. Great to have you back. We'll talk about marketing ops maturity and marketing maturity. Great to be back. Yeah, we did some research and we had some um, preparational talks. We looked into many, many uh, maturity models that are out there. They're there from content marketing, for digital marketing, for social. It's unbelievable. And, and one of the things that I try to be structured as a marketing ops person, so any model that I see, I immediately instinctively measure if it's mutually exclusive and collectively exhaustive. So the MISI model, perhaps you're familiar. I, I don't want to see gaps and overlaps in those steps. Otherwise, I switch off because then I don't know where I am. I can imagine that with maturity models, you, you see some pros and some cons. Can you tell us about it? This is another one of these topics that I, I have kind of mixed feelings on. There's aspects of maturity models that I think can be incredibly valuable. But then, yeah, there's also a lot of ways in which, uh, you know, like our previous discussion on Agile, you know, I think maturity models are are easy to misuse. So let me start with the things I love. At the At the core of it, I believe like we're in a world now where what matters so much for marketing and marketing ops in particular isn't just the delivery of individual outcomes. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're important. It's how do we develop the capabilities as an organization to generate more of those outcomes faster, better, more, you know, uh, predictably, you know, so this this whole notion of capability development is just essential to the modern marketing organization. And the thing I love about these maturity models is they can be very disciplined about saying like, let's, you know, there's like these tables, you know, so we have an X axis that we go down and we're like, okay, this is a set of related and in many cases interrelated capabilities and let's identify them like really explicitly, you know, what do we need to be able to do? You know, what are the aspects of how we produce, you know, and deliver things to the organization in the world? And then, uh, you know, on the other axis, I guess that's the Y axis you're going down. Okay. And then on the X axis, you know, the columns, uh, you know, those are the rows, you know, and then on the columns, you've got like, okay, well, there's this, you know, first column of where we tend to start when we're absolute beginners, you know, at that particular uh, capability, depending on the maturity model, there's, you know, anywhere from like three to five or seven, you know, columns. And I love the fact that, again, for each one of these capabilities, we're sort of thinking out like the stages, you know, of how do we get better at that? How do we know, you know, we're improving that muscle group for our organization? That's where actually then the utility for these things starts to end for me, because I sometimes feel like uh, people get a little bit too hung up on treating the columns 
as these like collective groups that it's like, oh, I'm either all of column A, I'm just a beginner at everything, or I want to move forward, you know, in lockstep, you know, and end up at a place where I'm like a, a world expert. And the truth is, in almost every organization I've seen, right, it's like each one of these rows, even if there are relationships between them, organizations just naturally tend to progress at different uh, paces, you know, for different capabilities. And so at that point in time, yeah, the, the, the grand maturity model starts to lose its efficacy, uh, in my opinion. I'd love your perspective on, uh, you know, maturity models you've worked with. Like what, what makes them work from your point of view? Yeah, that's a tough question. The big thing is always, for me, such a model should work like almost so a gun. I, I immediately in the line of fire want to be able to pull it, you know, pull it out and use it. If not, it's useless. So it has to really, uh, in the line of fire, in your conversation, in that meeting, I immediately want to use it. And across all those capability, uh, sorry, maturity models that I've seen, the capability maturity model uh, is is one that I love most. I, that's the only one I could bring really into practice. And it has five stages. And normally, actually, I only use number one, three, and five. And it's very simple. So the, the first one is where you see chaos. We're just hacking and stacking and we'll see where it goes. Because anything goes, it has to work. We have to find a product market fit. And what you see here is there this this holistic human that is a is a kind of a hero, a local hero, very good in one thing. But then once you have your product market fit starting to emerge, this doesn't scale. So you have to go to the next level, which is take out all the clutter and, you know, standardize, have maybe one particular system of record, you know, not multiple. In, in a human fashion, once I started working for a company, I had five departments in my team and they were all headed up by brilliant people. And, and uh, the CEO told me, these are brilliant people. You have the great management layer ever. And I was like, I think they're all local heroes. They're very good at what they do. Some even had, you know, post doctorates at, at universities. They were brilliant. They couldn't manage. So that didn't work. And everybody was so frustrated because they wanted to look like that person. And that didn't work. It just doesn't copy and paste. So I had to replace the entire management level. And I did in a nice way. And, and even these people started to understand, yeah, maybe I'm just blocking progress. So that's when we started to standardize also the systems. And then finally you go to, the fifth level, which is, I would say, where Agile comes in. This is where if the market breathes in and out, the company does so. So you're in flow, you're in Zen, you can respond to market changes, etc. And maybe this is because you have a, a my environment for customers where they can go in and out, you know exactly what they want with AI driven, etc. So that's like the nirvana. You don't see it a lot, but that's where I, I really think the top level is is something you really resonate with the market and have a good feel uh, and optimize that. I have to say, uh, Franz, you are converting me uh, as, a, as a fan because I, I you, you, the simplification of it down to three columns, I actually think is brilliant for a number of reasons. One of the problems I have with these like, you know, five column or larger like maturity models is the labels that people start to invent on these columns. 
it's just like, oh, well, this is managed. And then from there, it will become defined. And then, you know, from there, it'll be quantitatively managed. I don't even know what you mean as the difference between like managed and defined. It just feels like, all right, this is this is consultant speak. But like when you when you sort of simplify it down to three columns, and you're like, OK, this is sort of our starting point where these things are just not connected. Chaotic is perhaps the you know most brutal term for it. But, you know, one way or another, it's basically not there's no structure to it in a systematic way. And then the second stage being really clearly like, let's bring structure to this. Let's let's get some standardization. Let's get some alignment. Like, let's make sure these things are connected together the way they should be across the company. And then the third stage is to say, now that we've got this structure, let's get really good at how we use that structure. How do we know that we're actually leveraging, you know, that foundation that we built? And that is just such a clean and beautiful and easy way to think about this. Like, anyone even like me i can get my head around that and i think another thing i like about it is you know one of my objections was you know this sort of like and these larger charts just falling out of sequence in like oh well we're at stage two here and stage four there and stage one at this other thing by simplifying the stages i actually think it I mean, just inherently, right? It's a, it's a mathematical fact. You just reduce the number of combinatorial complexity there, you know, and you can say like, okay, actually, no, we can, even if they don't move perfectly in lockstep, there's just less of this sort of spreading across and sort of like, okay, let's get these things standardized and let's get really good at how we leverage it. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, to the point where you speak about those, you know, you can be at level one in one area and level five in the other one. Um, we, we did some research, this is years ago, and we looked at marketing maturity and, and marketing operations maturity. And this was based on research. So I think we had a survey of almost 200 marketing experts across the globe. And we said, so how mature is your strategy, your goal setting? How mature is the second level, um, which is teams and processes? And the last one is all about technology, because we were implementing technology. We were like, okay, why do some fail and why do others not? And it was fascinating because what you saw across any industry is that strategy always was more mature than your teams and your processes. Teams and processes always more mature than your technology. It's as simple as that. And how we found some anomalies so we called those people up and we said so what what's going on why is your teams and processes more advanced than for instance your strategy and it, these were for instance recruitment uh, companies so they were in the people industry anyway so teams and processes were most important you found if you spoke to those people they said we're really frustrated there are no goals there's no strategy we don't know where we're going so you could read the signs as in okay where are they and and do they have things backwards or upside down it's fascinating that makes a lot of sense so now you're talking about yeah not just a simplification of the columns which is brilliant uh but also yeah this sort of you know, organized clustering of the rows around, you know, strategy, people, process, technology, which I also think is a really clarifying way uh, of how to group these things. You were the person I needed to speak to, to like finally feel like, okay, I actually can see how this could be a really powerful tool. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And, you know, in some conversations, uh, we spoke also about applying this to, let's say, society. Now, we're way off from marketing ops. I realize that. But with maturity <laughs> level, you know, in the beginning, in the 80s, 90s, it was chaos with all uh, tools all over the place. 
And then certainly you saw some uh, monopolies coming up, Microsoft, Apple, etc. And I think that brought the whole um, society or technical or digital society to the, the third level, which is standardization. Monopoly brings standardization. So the big tech brings st standardization. That's where we're now. You have captured the exact dynamic of what is happening in the MarTech industry, that we basically started out in this like chaos mode where thousands of tools disconnected. Uh, you know, I've been on a, a mission from God here, you know, to like do platform, uh, you know, advocacy. Uh, and part of it was, yeah, just so that we can start to standardize the capability and how these things interact with each other. But yeah, using your three column model, right? Like the whole point is like once we can get past that standardization, you know, we can really get these platform ecosystems to be as strong in MarTech as they are in other fields, like say mobile devices. Then it's almost like we earn permission collectively as an industry to get to the next stage of like, okay, now we can do all sorts of innovation and like optimization on top of that foundation because we're not having to like constantly deal with, you know, wheels of the car, like, you know, falling off underneath us. I feel like every time you and I have these episodes, I walk away, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's really cool. This may be one of the best episodes yet for me as far as what uh, the, the knowledge you are bringing to me, my friend. That is, that is awesome. That's, of course, a huge, huge compliment. And I'm blushing now. I'm, thank God it's a podcast. <laughs> There's one more question, because I think if we talk about this, then the standardization that big tech brings is a kind of a centralization, one might argue. What would be the last step? What would be the next step? Because that's where I see AI and blockchain come in. What do you think? I think you're right. I mean, I I feel like this, again, and this is maybe my own uh, perspective from, you know, coming from like such a platform advocacy, you know, mission in my life these days. But it's almost like when you have a stable platform, you just allow all sorts of innovation and specialization to happen around it. And for me, AI and blockchain and all these other sorts of things can be part of that too. So that's sort of how I by default want to interpret it. But if we were to go further down this hall, like through blockchain decentralized topic, which maybe we should get to at some point, it's, it's, it's definitely a fascinating world. It's, it's almost a way of saying like, we don't even have centralized platforms we have some sort of distributed environment that nonetheless provides like a common backbone, but it's not controlled by any one entity. So like, you know, it's, it's a mobile platform, but instead of being controlled by Apple and uh, Google, it's somehow controlled collectively. So one example comes to mind where I think it's more of an ecosystem that, that we will go into that that will, you know, live and breathe on its own and, and a kind of in harmony. OK, I'm getting carried away now. But it's this nice example. I'm not, I don't even know if it ever happened, but there was in the in the Cold War, there was this communist minister for food coming over to London. And he said, so how how does the bread distribution work here? And they looked at him and said, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, who's responsible for distribution of bread? It's a simple question. And they said, there's a whole chain uh, of people involved and companies. And no, 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 that, that won't work. That will never work. But it was the reality. So, you know, this is, again, if you leave it to people, they will solve it. 
uh, in an agile way, probably, and then an ecosystem will emerge. I, I think that's where we will be going. And this is also why I don't think we see any MarkTech consolidation happening. And we might not see it in the near future because everything will be atomized and then put into this ecosystem. But I don't know what you think. I think I'm 100% along this idea of platform-based ecosystems. Because, again, I kind of like look at the mobile uh, you know, device space where like the consolidation that happened with Apple and Android, actually, as a result of that consolidation, it enabled the flourishing of these like millions of specialized apps. Because all those apps, like if there were like 20 different platforms, there's no way that ecosystem could have evolved because everybody would have to choose, am I doing it for this platform or that platform? And you could never get that sort of critical mass. And I feel like that is other things being equal. That's the dynamic that's starting to play out in MarTech today is you're, you're seeing a relatively small number of public companies that are becoming the platforms for MarTech. There's more of them than, you know, just two with Apple and Android, uh, but it's less than 100. And that you're starting to see then around those platforms more and more ecosystems of software that just integrates off the shelf or plugs into it. I was writing recently, uh, you know, on my blog that, you know, there are other kinds of solutions that people are coming up with that have less centralization, but somehow make it easier for us to like manage, you know, the diversity of software that we're running in our business. You know, like one example was just, you know, companies like Snowflake or Databricks that almost independent of all the other things that you have in your tech stack, you can kind of like have all the data, you know, be filtering down into, you know, a data lake or a data cloud, you know, by like a Snowflake or a Databricks. And so, this is probably a more technical topic for a uh, another day, but it, I, it, I think it's very interesting to think about in the context of maturity models. One way or another, the more we get standardized on a set of how things are related to each other, the more power there is to then be able to build innovation and optimization on top of that. I like that conclusion. And uh, we are running out of time. As usual, we have more topics and ideas than time. So uh, I thank you so much for, again, sharing all your insights with us. Speak soon. All right. Sounds great, Franz. Have a great rest of your week.